Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am also. And so here he is, and he is ready to speak to you. Every time the Reformation comes and I'm asked to speak uh, wherever in the world, I wonder how am I going to convey the power of this Reformation and how it is that it sets you free even now. But this particular year, I have no problem at all. Since we understand now like we've never understood before, both what the law means in our lives, which is your masks, of course, and what death itself means and the fear that we've got. And I have never seen in my own life the confusion in this world between politics and church. Politicians and politics want to be spiritual and the church wants to be political. In the Reformation, we call this confusion of two kingdoms and we've got it now in spades. It's not the first time that this has happened. In the fourth century, there was a civil war in the Roman Empire over a specific word used in the creed, homo usios. And uh, Gregory of Nazianzus said, it got so bad out there that I would go to the butcher asking for a leg of lamb and the butcher would say, I'm not giving you your mutton until you tell me whether you believe that the son is of one being with the father or not. Nazianzus said, how do you like that? Even the butcher is trying to lecture me. And lo and behold, in your Nicene Creed, you finally have to agree to that as well. And it's a true statement. Our son, Jesus Christ, is of one nature with the Father. But here now today, we have an entirely different situation in which we have the confusion of these two kingdoms coming together. Presently, you are told that you have a blight by birth and skin that is systemic in nature. That's political language. We theologians have a language for it as well. It's called original sin, to be born in sin. And the solution to this problem, we are told, is a reparation, a making up for the sin. We also have a name for that in theology. It's called doing penance. Doing penance is paying to have a sin removed. And if you folks haven't heard this yet, the bishops of the ELCA have gone all in on this matter. And so they are entering into this world of doing penance itself. Furthermore, you and I are here gathered in such a way that we have learned a new word, a new phrase. And we use it all the time now. It's called social distancing. Social distancing, of course, is now a training and we are trained, exercised in this particular matter. And isn't it ironic that social distancing is the English translation of an old Greek word called monokos, which is monk, 
you are actually learning how to be a monk. How do you like that? <laughs> to separate out from others so that you are not made impure by them. And you are learning as amateurs what it's like to be a monk. But I have to tell you, there's a long tradition in the church about how to properly social distance and how to separate. It started way back in the third century in Egypt when the monks decided that they had to leave the urban center, which had become uh, despoiled, and they went out into the desert. And not only was the desert not far enough away from people, but they had to go and live in a cave. And when they were no longer able uh, to uh, avoid people by living in the cave, you know what they did? They built a pole. It was called a stylite, and one of my favorite desert fathers, Simeon the Stylite, used to climb up on his pole so nobody could get at him. And lo and behold, what did he find? On a Sunday afternoon, people came out for their Sunday chariot ride and gathered all underneath his pole and called him Simeon the Great, who has taught us how to separate ourselves from our fellow man. Well, you have a long way to go. Uh, and soon you're going to be, well, we're told that this might last for a couple more years. Some of you are going to start building a pole in your backyard uh, and will climb up and identify finally what it means to be a monk. Look at us, 2020, we have learned how to do penance and how to become a monk. <laughs> My goodness, uh, what goes around comes around. And here comes Martin Luther in the 16th century who understood that you needed to be freed from both of these. And how did he do it? How did he enter into this so that you are no longer understanding that the way to purity of spirit is separation and the way now to purity of spirit is to remove sin by paying for it? Luther found this in two phrases. Two words that we've got that are used on this Reformation Sunday for the text for today. You've already heard that Jesus in the temple in the eighth chapter of John says, the truth will set you free. But the problem is you don't know the truth. You have actually learned something other than the truth. And here we have to go to Paul in Romans chapter 3 to hear how Luther finally broke through on this matter, to learn what true freedom of the Spirit actually meant. That is, we hold that you are justified by faith apart from works of the law. And here Luther says, this set me free because now I understood what Jesus was doing in order to make a new heart. That is, he is now making faith in you, and faith is what justifies you, not a work of the law. Further, Jeremiah 31, the Old Testament text for today. Jeremiah says, you need a new heart, but how do I get a new heart? Now Jeremiah says, there will be a preacher who comes and the preacher will say this to you, I forgive your iniquity and I remember your sin no more. That is what faith is in. 
And that little word is called a promise, which is different than a command. And when Luther heard this, Luther understood now that this was the way to freedom. This was what Christ meant when he said, the truth will set you free. And he began to preach it all over, publish it, and it went all over the Christendom. And what did Luther get for preaching this freedom? He got in the mail by UPS a death certificate from the Pope, no less. So 500 years ago, right now in October, the, the uh, mail finally arrived to him, and there he received what is called a papal bull, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Pope, telling him, cease and desist, Luther, for we are now going to burn you at the stake if you continue to say these words by faith and not by works. Now Luther received this uh, around about October. It was published and it had been going around for some time, but it had not yet arrived in Luther's little town of Wittenberg. And finally it came to him and he opened up this bull, Ex Urge Domine, from Psalm 80. Rise up, O God, and judge your cause. There is a wild boar running in the woods, and you must get rid of him. <laughs> and there we have the problem. Here the church is always afraid, as the world is, of what this gospel actually means and how it will set you free. So Luther received this bull, and he kept it in his, position, in his possession from now in October until the 10th of December. And on the 10th of December, Luther read it for a final time. And in it, it says, Luther, you not only will be burned at the stake in this life, but you will be eternally excommunicated thrown into outer darkness and dwell in hell forever, unless you do three things. Unless, first of all, you separate from the world and go silent. And second, unless you admit your guilt for what you have said regarding faith and good works and take the knee to the papacy. And third, unless you do penance, unless you pay for this, that is, unless you stop preaching. So Luther says, this is what I'm taught. I am to distance myself and pay for my sins. So on the 10th of December, he went to the outside gate where already a bonfire was burning. And there Luther said, I took that script I took the signature of the Pope, the seal of the Pope, ex urge domine, my own death certificate, and I held it over the fire. And Luther says, that night I trembled. What would this mean for me? What would it mean in this world for me? And what would it mean in the world ahead? Then he said, but I know what Paul has said, 
It is by faith and not by works. And so he threw it into the fire and burned the papal bull. From that time forward, Luther said, I was free. Now, I know that you people here and now are scared. You have a death sentence hanging over you. You know, like I do, that anybody you meet or talk to could be the vehicle of your own death. You could get a disease and die from such people. And you know what is worse? You all know this as well. You fear more than your own death that you might be the vehicle for someone else's death. So I lay at night, at night and, uh, and dream not only that I might catch something, but what is much worse, I might give it to someone else. And goodness sakes, there is no greater shame in our life right now than to be a super spreader. Who wants to be that before God? And even if you are not somehow afraid now, all of you understand that you are under a death sentence from the moment that you are born. This is truly what we mean by original sin, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And there God says, your sin is revealed by the law. You wouldn't know it unless the law was actually given. But the law is not going to make you righteous before me. It is going to reveal your sin. And lo and behold, one day you will receive your death certificate. You will visit your beloved doctor and your doctor will say to you, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. And there you will have your death certificate. Now, what do you do with it? How do you handle this particular matter? Here now you have to understand who Christ is and what he's doing for you. Christ now says, where two or three are gathered, I am there. So here he is. And where Christ is, he never remains silent. He doesn't climb up on a pole. He doesn't separate himself from you. He has come specifically for this reason, to speak to you. And when Jesus is present, he does not remain silent. He says something. And what has he come to say to you? He says, I know your trouble. I know what it's like for you to be under the death penalty. And I have come now to set you free. Because Jesus Christ comes from heaven above to earth below. He does not separate himself from us. And not only does he come from heaven above to earth below, but he is the word of God who has become incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was born a man under the law. More yet, not only does he dwell among us, but he in his own flesh takes his sin, your sin, upon him. And when he does this now, he takes it all the way to the cross and there nails it once and for all. Peter says in his first letter, there your sin remains nailed by Christ on the cross because you could not conquer it, but he has learned how to conquer it. And when Christ has conquered it, he doesn't even stop there. 
He comes to be present to you. He comes to speak to you. And he says, it's not enough for me to just speak to you. I am going to put myself in water and apply it to you in your baptism to give you this great promise of faith which otherwise would not be yours. Now he goes further yet. He says, not only do I put myself in the water of baptism and give it to you, I put myself in bread and wine and bestow and give myself to you. Jesus Christ is not a monk. He is not paying your penalty. He is not doing penance. He's getting rid of all of that. And he is now bestowing and giving himself fully and completely, withholding nothing. When Jesus comes and is present as he is now, he has something to say. And he has been waiting to say this for a long time. He even says, my father planned it before the whole world. And here he says, as Jeremiah said, you must have a new heart, but you cannot make it yourself. So you let me give it to you. And when I give it to you, it will not be a work of the law. It will be a gift, gratis by grace. And this is what he has to say to you. Your iniquity I forgive, and I do not remember your sin. Do you know what this means to you? It means there is no more death penalty for you. It's gone. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no more death penalty for you. You are a free man, a free woman. You need not fear since Christ has already conquered it. This is a new heart and a new spirit. Now, for those of you who are going to remain in this old world for the time, you doctors, you lawyers, you first responders, you grandpas, you grandmas, you do everything you can to preserve life in this old world. You go ahead and wear your mask. You go ahead and teach your kids social distancing. But then you stop and you say, but it is not penance and it is not becoming a monk that waits for you in the future. For you are a free Christian and as a free Christian, Christ has already taken away your death penalty. Amen.